Welcome to another episode, episode 5 of Name Two Bands with Andy and Andy. This week we'll be discussing Guns N' Roses and Metallica. And with me as always is Andy Samford. How are you, Andy? This is James Hetfield. Yeah, yo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost every Metallica song has that. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so, how was your week? Um, it was pretty good, I think. Yeah, nothing real, super exciting. Well, I've been doing the uh, RPM thing. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that to me. Um, why don't you go so ahead? So, let me and, explain uh, what RPM yeah. is. It's yep. kind of like um, NaNoWriMo for making music, and basically. The goal, the challenge, RPM stands for Record Production Month, and the challenge is to record an album during the month of February. And that's it. So, yeah, yeah. You don't have to write it. It can be already written. You know, you can use old songs. It has to be all original material, but 10 songs or 35 minutes, and basically for me, it's just an excuse to record because usually i get slack over the winter with the holidays and stuff and february just gets me jump started and going again unfortunately this year i'm not going to be sharing any of the stuff i'm recording until like june or july or something because with Uh. the telestrion album coming out i'm putting out no new music until after that's out and that makes sense that makes total sense um so how far are you but yeah busy with that how far along on you? Uh, I've got like two songs completely done, another seven in various states of progress, and then another seven that I've got planned that I want to do. So, so, so not only are you recording an album just this month, it has sixteen songs on it. You know, since I'm not actually gonna put it out until June. I'm just going to kind of see what all I end up with, and yeah, it'll probably end up being like a double album. <laughs> That's now, outstanding. Now, if you sign up for RPM, you can actually hear the new stuff I'm working on because I'm uploading it to my RPM player, and I'll have to submit it for the challenge. So should you get interested and want to try and record an album in a month and sign up for RPM, then you can hear some of my new stuff if you want. Right on. Um well, go ahead and send me a link when we're done, and I'll put that in the description. Yeah, RPM something. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. Um, I think it's rpmchallenge.com, but I'll, I'll double-check that. All right. Um, so there was a, a football game last night. Um, before we get right to uh, the Super Bowl, um, I just wanted to mention... Superb Owl. The Superb Owl, yeah. Um I know you're you're not much of a soccer fan, Andy. Um, but for those Beautiful. of you listening, um, I am a soccer fan. I'm a Liverpool supporter, and uh, I'll put a link to this in the description. But are they the team that got screwed by the refs? No, they didn't get screwed by the refs. Um, didn't they, some team get screwed? By yeah. The refs? They, well, I mean, lots of the fans did, and the coach uh, whined about it. But I didn't think they got screwed. I thought they were both penalties. Um, gotcha. But if you like soccer or even if you just like uh, watching people do cool shit, 
Um, I'll put a link in the description to the school by uh, Mohamed Salah, um, who is having just an amazing season. Um, he got the ball uh, in the penalty box, and there were four defenders surrounding him. Um, he managed to get past all four of them and then uh, push the ball past the keeper for what would have been the game winner if not for the uh, second penalty. It's just a pretty amazing goal. So I'll go ahead and put the link up. Um, so did you uh, get to watch the Super Bowl? I listened to it on the radio. Listened to it, yeah. It was working. Internet connection is pretty spotty out in my little booth, and uh, trying to stream something is just an exercise in frustration. Yeah. So I just listened to the radio broadcast. That's too bad because... Boy, was that a good one. <laughs> uh, uh, I've watched the highlights. I'll probably yeah. watch the whole game at, at some point. They show it yeah. over and over on NFL, so. Of course, yeah. Um, and it set the record for uh, the most offensive yards get gained combined by two teams, not in the Super Bowl, not in the postseason, in any NFL game ever. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a Tecmo Bowl. Yeah, it really was. It really was. Or a Madden um, game or something. Yeah, there was one punt, um, two turnovers, and that was it. Uh, for the most part, both teams just marched right, right down the field. Um, the Eagles' defense finally uh, showed up when they needed to, though. Yep, yep. They made a, a couple big plays there at the end of the game. Um, and two things uh, really stood out for me in that game. Uh, the first was... Doug Peterson has balls like the size. <laughs> like, yeah. That like that uh, fourth down call um, at the goal line where they threw the pass to Nick Foles. Like, oh yeah. That that was really gutsy. Um, but then they also later in the game went for it on a fourth down, and that was complete to yeah. Zach Ertz for the first down, and. The other thing... Well, I mean, he had to, the way the offenses were going, you know? He had, he, yep. I mean, punting it or even conceding a field goal would would have cost them that game in both those situations. Yeah, and, yeah, and Tom Brady, um, of course, set the Super Bowl record for passing yards through for over 500 yards. Um, it was of the course. most passing yards ever by a quarterback that lost the game. Of course. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, the the Patriots were zipping right down the field, too. But um, it was just a great game plan overall. Um, they established the run um, with Ajayi. Um, shout out Boise State, by the way. Um, and then LeGarrette Blunt got some big plays. Um, that rookie, Clemens, I think, um, he had some big plays in the running game. And yeah. then, of course, caught a touchdown pass as well. Um, and... Alshon Jeffrey made a brilliant catch um, in the end zone for a touchdown. And the other big thing that stood out, I thought, was, God damn, Nick Foles. Who knew? And this is odd because when will, has there ever been an MVP of the Super Bowl, won a team their first Super Bowl, add that, and mm-hmm. he's not going to be starting for them next year. <laughs> nope. <laughs> probably he's probably gone. won't even be on the team. No, no, he'll go get his he'll get big money somewhere else. Yeah, he's got a, a one year left on his contract, so I'm sure there'll be plenty of interest, and they'll trade him oh, and yeah. get a bunch of draft picks for him. Um, yeah. 
So go get your snake foals. Um, <laughs> and uh, as we talked about uh, a few weeks ago, the uh, Jeff Fisher, like he must be like the anti quarterback whisper. Um, cause Nick Foles, he had a, a big year, um, with Philadelphia in 2013 under Chip Kelly. Um, and then like Chip Kelly is a brain genius. So he decided he needed to trade Nick Foles for, uh, Sam Bradford and with the Rams, with Fisher as the coach, um, he did not play very well at all. Um, and then, uh, last season the Rams picked, uh, Carson Wentz first in the draft and Foles was unhappy so they cut him he signed with the Chiefs was the backup for a year and then signed with the Eagles to back up this year and then when uh, Carson Wentz uh, went down for the year um, he became the starter and leads him to the Super Bowl um, but that Rams team had Jared Goff who they picked first in the draft he was awful his first year um, was fantastic this season, and the Rams made the playoffs. Um, that team also had... Uh, Lost to the Falcons. Yeah. Um, that team also oh. had, uh, as the starter to begin the year, who they then benched for Goff at the end of the year, uh, was Case Keenum, <laughs> who started for the Vikings all year long and led them to the NFC Championship game. So... Has Jeff Fisher had success with any quarterback besides Vince Young? Well, um, they went to the Super Bowl with uh, Steve McNair, but that was forever ago. With Jeff so. Fisher? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. The, okay. the Titans, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was McNair, not not Vince Young. Yeah, yeah, Vince Young flanked out. Yeah, um, yeah, that that was okay, so that's basically my made first question but substitute Steve McNair for Vince Young. <laughs> <laughs> Has Jeff Fisher had success with any other quarterbacks than Steve McNair? Uh I don't think so. I th- that um that year that they made the Super Bowl, I think that basically made Jeff Fisher's whole career. He was in yeah. Tennessee for a long time. They finally let him go. Uh the Rams hired him. They never had any success. Um so yeah, not really. Um, so yeah, I guess um, uh, fullback should hang out the music um, city miracle guy yeah yeah they should <laughs> I can't remember his name I don't remember either that's been a while that's been a long while ago um, yeah so I guess you uh, didn't get to see the halftime show then thankfully no <laughs> yeah um <laughs> I I mean Justin Timberlake, he's a really talented guy. Uh, I've got to say he is, um, but it's just it's just not really my thing. Um, it was a decent enough show though. Um, on the politics pod on Friday, plug, um, we're gonna have uh, good old Jim Gross on, and he's gonna break down Jay the Gross. halftime show, as he always does every year. Um, he can compare it to the halftime show from a hundred years ago. He could. He remembers all that. Um, right. Yeah, he's still got his uh, notes that he uh, typed up back then. Um, yeah. I was relieved, though, that there were rumors um, heading into it that uh, Timberlake was going to use a hologram of Prince and perform with him. And I was like, oh, 
God, that's bad taste. Um, yeah, that would be and, pretty tasteless. Yeah, and Prince had specifically said, <laughs> like, I hope that no one ever does that to me. Yeah. Um, Especially so. you, Justin Timberlake. Yeah, yeah, because Justin Timberlake <laughs> could not come anywhere close to even touching the brilliance of Prince. Um, so what they ended up doing is uh, they had a big sheet that they dropped down and they projected an image of him playing. Yeah, and, I think uh, I saw a picture. Yeah, I played a little bit of him. Uh, which, and even that was in... With, um, Dave Chappelle as Prince superimposed. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so it's, it, it was still in bad taste, but not nearly as bad taste as uh, it would have been. Uh, yeah, it's Minnesota, it, you know. A yeah, That's yeah, nice. yeah. And it was, it was kind of cool that right after that, um, they cut to a shot of outside the stadium, and I'm, I'm sure it was just like a TV trickery and that they didn't actually do it, but... They made it look like all these purple lights started uh, um, coming on over the city at, right outside the stadium that uh, formed the Prince symbol. So, nice. Yeah, that part was cool. But um, yeah, Justin Timberlake, not really my my thing. Although, nope, not nearly the worst uh, halftime show that I've ever seen. Oh no, no, I was looking back over like a list of the halftime shows. There's been some really bad ones. Yeah, there's been some really bad ones. <laughs> really bad ones. They didn't they uh, like wheel uh, the Who out one year to do it. That that one I I remember that one being like a pretty impressive uh, show. Like they had a nice big old stage lit up or something. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, I guess the Who can't be too bad. It's still the Who. Um, yeah, I mean, half of the Who in their seventies is still better than a lot of shit. Yeah. Yeah, a whole lot of shit. Um, well, there was, of course, the uh, previous Justin Timberlake appearance at the Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, yeah. That one did that not go classic. quite so well. <laughs> Titties! <laughs> I love that people were scandalized by that, um, by seeing a <laughs> boob, but the nipple wasn't even a showing. Nipple. No nipple. Like, really? Yeah. The things people What's get the first thing we all by. see when we arrive here on Earth? Yeah, yeah, in our whole life. A nipple. Yeah. No, I can't. I can't see a, a naked boob. I'm scandalized <laughs> by that. <laughs> uh, people are weird. Um, I've seen so many naked boobs. Me too. Um, <laughs> both in person and pictures. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. You work at a strip club, so <laughs> <laughs> that slipped my mind for a second. Yeah, I'm sure at this point, boobs are nothing to you. Oh, no, I still enjoy them. <laughs> I, I, uh, I refuse to be desensitized. That's good. That's that's one thing you wouldn't want to be desensitized to, <laughs> boobs. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, I guess we might as well move along to our uh, new recurring feature. I guess it's not all that new. It's our second time around now. A couple weeks um, old now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so last week, uh, I assigned you uh, Father John Misty, Fear Fun. Um, so why don't you Indeed go you ahead did. and uh, tell me what you thought of that one? Well, um, 
first of all, you guys said this was psychedelic, and we must have different ideas of psychedelic because I didn't find it to really be psychedelic much at all. At all? I mean, not really. I mean, it had it had little bits and things, but I don't know. I, overall, I have to say I did not like it much at all. Hmm. It was like two two songs that I enjoyed that I would want to hear again. Uh, track two and um, well, track eight started off kind of strong, but then it kind of lost me. But the rest of it, I was kind of just waiting for the next song to come on. And I'll, t- I'll tell you, my, my biggest issue is that I'm not really a fan of his voice. And where a voice doesn't really make or break something for me, but if I don't like the voice, the music's got to be, like, really, really good. Yeah, and, and he's he's not a brilliant musician, that's for sure. And I find the music to be kind of kind of boring. It's kind of plain. The arrangements are kind of boring. And... and um, I, you know, I kind of his voice. You know, I hear like I hear a little Brian Wilson in it, which is cool, and I hear a little Mike Nesmith in his voice, which is which is not terrible. But then he's got like this kind of this Dave Matthews granola thing that just turns me off hardcore. <laughs> That's fair, I guess. Um, <laughs> if you hear Dave Matthews in it, for me, yeah. why it didn't really do much for me was because. It never really like took off for me, the the music. Like it never really got intense in places, or, or the you know I I don't need loud guitars all over everything, but there's got to be like some really cool dramatic guitar shit somewhere to make me want to keep listening. Well, um, you gave uh, his latest a shot too, so I think we've established. Yeah, man, I didn't really. Yeah, Give I think we've way. established Father John Misty just isn't going to happen for you. <laughs> I know you love him, and I, I tried. You know, yeah, like, you did try. You, did, you can't that, do any, anything more than that. Track two, I can't remember what it's called. Nancy, something about Nancy, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can call I me really, Nancy. I really enjoyed that song. Yeah, that's a good one. That had some cool chord changes. And then I also got to give him props. Uh, track four is like sounds a lot like a, like a Mike Nesmith monkeys kind of song and he used the word monkey in the lyrics so I think that was like a, a, a you know a nod to the fact that he's aware of <laughs> what he's doing there it probably so was props for yeah. That. yeah um track four actually um that one would be called uh I'm writing a novel um yeah um, yeah that's my favorite one on that one He's got some. It's, uh, it's not a bad song. You should if if you've never listened to any Michael Nesmith solo or or Michael Nesmith's the the Monkeys album, the later Monkeys albums, where it was like he was like in charge creatively. You'd probably really dig some of that stuff. Uh, well, you should uh, file that one away because we will have uh, future segments of this. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. I mean, not everything works for everybody, so. Uh, I don't no, take, and, I don't like, take you know, offense like I've at that. Repeated, I'm a I'm a hardcore music snob, and it's it's uh, it's got to be really special for me to embrace it. You know, I know. Um, and so you assigned me um, sleep <laughs> dope smoker. Um, 
Classic. If you guys uh, didn't listen to last week's episode, uh, this is a one-track, 60-minute album where they took a record company advance, um, spent it on weed and two da- two amps, um, yeah. and turned this into the record label. The record label said, no, we're not releasing this. You need to change this. Uh, they made a, a couple changes and turned back in a slightly different um, one-track, 60-minute album, and then they were immediately <laughs> dropped by the label. <laughs> and, and it kind of sunk the label, too. It was um, London Records. Well, they should have just of... put it out. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> they should have put it out. I don't think they... Re- I mean, the album that came out before it was a standard 10-song, 45-minute album. Lots of Sabbath influence, and it was right. uh, it was on Earache Records, and it, it had a big underground following. Yeah, and I think London Records was thinking they were going to sign the next Black Sabbath. And not so much. <laughs> I was like, nope, <laughs> we're doing this. And so I know, uh, to some degree, your original intention uh, was, at least in part, uh, to kind of punish me a little bit for Challenge. making you to listen to... Uh, Kendrick Lamar, and when I, yeah. I have to say, when I first put it on, I was like, uh, this is just like noise, <laughs> and I was kind of waiting, like, for just something to happen, you know, um, but then, a bunch of, it's very slowly of, evolving, yeah, yeah, it builds and builds, and then, eventually, a bunch of stuff started happening, um, and again, and again, and again, and, um, it was definitely um, out of, outside of my comfort zone. Um, I can't say I've ever listened to uh, much uh, stoner doom metal um, besides yourself. Um, so, but I thought it was, I thought it was really good um, for the most part. I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was like a little bit um, samey after a while, um, and it, it kind of dragged. A bit towards the end for me anyway um i can't say that i'll ever listen to it again um but i did enjoy it so and i i might listen to it again now that i'm talking I about it album so much i'm kind of thinking uh yeah i might i'm not mind listening to that it's very, later it's very so. meditative yeah like it is you want it's, something it's, meditative but also with like really fucking loud guitars yeah, um, you wouldn't really think that like uh, meditative could be applied to uh, a metal album, but it, yeah, it totally that, is. That fits. Yeah, it definitely does. And I only listened to it the once, so I didn't really catch all the lyrics. But I heard them talking about like Jerusalem and Jesus and stuff, so that's kind of cool. It's it's basically like like their their Jesus in Jerusalem is weed (laughs) (laughs) even cooler it's about about, you know drop out of life with bong in hand and join the caravan to the holy land which is being really stoned right on and I imagine um, as we've established I'm not a musician um, and you are um, but I bet uh, just from what I read about it, that if I knew anything about like tube amps, um, that album would be basically like porn. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, they uh, they're they're into the amps. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a picture of the last the last time they were in town. And I saw them live. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. Walls of amps. Oh, and I I, I forgot um, when I was introducing this that I read uh, that not only did they get dropped from the label, but they broke up for a while right after that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They broke up the band. Yeah. They felt they had made their masterpiece, and it, you know, it didn't get put out. <laughs> so, it, so did it like, basically? Did it basically become like a uh, underground hit then, to some degree? Well, it it came out several years after they broke up, mm-hmm. and the first version that came out was not the band mix. Some other label got a hold of it and remixed it. And, and like split it up into track. It was still like one uninterrupted piece, but they they split it up into tracks on the CD, which was like not how it was supposed to be presented. Right. So it was like sort of like when it came out, it was like okay, cool, we finally get to hear this, but we knew at the time it wasn't what it was supposed to be. Gotcha. So then, finally, oh five, it came out like it was supposed to be, and then in. 12 the band actually went back and and remixed and remastered it you know with a little bit of money mm-hmm. so they could do it exactly how they intended it to be that's and that's what i sent you yeah and once again um you sent me the flak version so i had to turn <laughs> i had to turn my speakers way down uh, <laughs> 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 but but it sounded great um so yeah, yeah, I kind of unexpectedly liked it, and it, you definitely took me out of my comfort zone on uh, that one. So I'd have to say that was definitely a hit. I'm gonna make it up to you this week. <laughs> nah, it's all good. No, no, I'm giving you an amazing classic album on par with Sgt. Pepper, Pet Sounds of that era, but a little bit more underground all right well and that is uh, a high true praise. absolute psychedelic classic so that you will understand what i think when i hear psychedelic okay what is it so it is the band is the small faces and the album is ogden's nut gone flake all right i'll send it to you cool cool um were they a, a precursor to the faces Yes, but the um, main creative force of the Small Faces left and went on to form Humble Pie. Heard Steve of Marriott. them. Heard and, of them. And um, the rest of the band hooked up with Ron Wood and Rod Stewart and morphed into the Faces. Well, I really like the Faces. Um, and, in fact, uh, it's interesting that you mention that um, because... I kind of remember, like, reading about the faces, like, back when I was first getting into them and noticing that, like, basically everybody in the band went on to, like, do other really good stuff. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I hate Rod Stewart, but I mean, <laughs> he did make a lot of money, so. He did some cool stuff with Jeff Beck. I, I haven't heard faces. it. If you did. Yeah, the, the faces are great. Like, uh, basically, they were just these guys who got, like, shit-faced together and <laughs> just played some kind of, like, raw rock and roll. And I really, really like the faces. Um, 
So I'm sure well, all small like faces the small faces were four guys that got shit faced on alcohol and speed mm. and made psychedelic British pop music. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I, so I, I look forward really to that gonna one. I'm enjoy it. I'm sure I will. Um, so we talked about this, I think, last week, um, just briefly uh, on Twitter or on Facebook, excuse me. Um, and I, I, I know. You told me. Um, but uh, I guess you haven't ever really listened to uh, Gang of Four at all? Uh, no, I haven't. And I did grab those albums, and I haven't listened to them yet. So now you can force me to start listening to them. All right. Well, uh, your first assignment is their debut album, uh, which is Entertainment! Exclamation point. And um, it's kind of a lefty... Uh, like hard lefty Marxist punk, um, which kind of draws to mind, like, uh, I don't know, just like somebody beating you over the head with lyrics. And there is some of that. Um, but they're also like a really, really tight band. Um, and I think you'll really enjoy the guitars on it. Like really well, I know enjoy I checked the guitar. out one song and I did, enjoy it and that and i i wanted to listen to more so i'm yeah i'm looking forward to checking this one out and i i think you'll finally have one that i can give a positive review to (laughs) that would be nice well you were way more favorable of uh that that kendrick lamar album than i was expecting you to be so that's Uh, true you didn't totally pan it like you did uh this one Um, he had some cool sounding stuff that that definitely uh exceeded what i would ever expect yeah Uh, just not as good as, as Outkast, but not for me. That's a high bar, though. Outkast were pretty fucking good. Um, well, uh, unless you have anything else, I think we'll go right to our matchup. Which, yeah, yo. As we were not able to secure a guest um, for this one, uh, although I did post last night uh, that I was listening to Kill 'Em All on Facebook, and uh, one of my friends who's a really good guitar player um hi josh um <laughs> we started talking a little bit about that that album and how good it was and i realized like josh would have been a perfect guest for tonight but it's a little late well, at that point so <laughs> nice we don't always have like that deal with the technical difficulties <laughs> yeah last week was a bitch i don't want to bore you people but <laughs> that was a bitch both uh getting it to work on the recording end and then editing it. But but that's all right. Um, all right, so we'll go ahead and uh, lead in with a clip. Yeah, y'all.
So this matchup is uh, actually kind of big for me uh, because, as I've mentioned before, um, I grew up a Mormon uh, in Twin Falls, Idaho, population 30,000. Uh, I didn't have an older brother or, like, anybody around, you know, to, like, turn me on to cool shit. Um, all I had to go off uh, was radio and MTV. And when Appetite for Destruction came out, I was 10, and that just grabbed me, like, right by the shirt collar. And I loved it. I wore that uh, tape out. Um, Metallica was uh, a bit later for me, because um, I wasn't even aware of their existence, actually, um, until the Black Album came out. That was the summer before uh, I went into ninth grade. And I loved it when it came out, and that led me to all the stuff that they put out before, which was, of course, way better. Um, and, of course, they did the, the whole tour together, and at the time, I would have given, like, literally anything to go to that show. And, in fact, we were in vacation in Seattle one summer, and uh, they were playing while we were there, and uh, my parents wouldn't let me go. Uh, but I guess I'm going to go, at least at the outset, I'm going to go with Guns N' Roses. Uh, but it's very possible that I'll be convinced to change my vote by the end of this. Um, so who are you going with? Well, uh, we have a similar kind of history with these bands, except that... I discovered both of them at about the same time. And they both played a big role in opening my mind to music beyond the whole... Well, you know, when I was 10 years old, my favorite bands were Kiss, Twisted Sister, and Wasp. And they're all on the, kind of the harder edge of hair metal, but it was yeah. all definitely hair metal. Yeah. And so I drifted into things like Cinderella and um, Skid Poison Row. and and you know I enjoyed that stuff, but like when Guns N' Roses and Metallica both came along, they were like, okay, wait a minute, there's stuff way better than what I'm listening to, you know? Yeah. And at this point, I find that there's stuff way better than Guns N' Roses and Metallica, and, and it's funny by the time they were touring together. I guess it was probably, what, 92-ish? Something like that. It was after I Use was, Your Illusion and the Black Album. Yeah, I was over both of them by then. <laughs> yeah. And as much as I hugely loved them from, like, 87 to 90, I was over them by then. And at this point, I think there's tons of stuff better than them. But they both were definitely huge for me, influential on me, and... Uh, I would probably, if I was in a room full of people, I would put on Metallica over Guns N' Roses every time. But if I'm sitting by myself, just listening to stuff that for my own enjoyment, I'm probably going to pick Guns N' Roses over Metallica. Yeah, that was... So I that... guess I have to go with Guns N' Roses to start with, but I might change my mind by the end as well. Yeah, that, that was basically my reasoning as well. Um, like... Oh, I'll throw on every now and again, like Ride the Lightning or uh, Master of Puppets or Kill 'Em All. Um, great ev- riffs on those albums. Yeah, great. Uh, every now and again. Um, but 
uh, Appetite for Destruction, I play that uh, once every couple months, probably. So. I've been getting into the Use Your Illusions more. Yeah, more. yeah, which you hadn't listened to in a while. You said so. I hadn't listened. Well, I didn't. I didn't listen to them a lot when they came out because that was I sort of. They they kind of aided in the burnout by putting out so much music at once. I guess. Yeah. And yeah. I was already on the borderline burnout when those albums came out, so I I never listened to them a bunch back then. Yeah. So um, kind of listening to them now is is a lot of rediscovery and there's a lot of cool shit happening on those albums. There definitely is. Uh, let's kind of keep our powder dry off on that for uh, just a minute. Um, yeah. So I did uh, earlier tonight. Uh, she was very nervous about it. Uh, but my girlfriend uh, and I recorded a little bit of an interview that uh, I think is pertinent to Guns N' Roses. So. All right play that clip real quick so alongside me is my girlfriend kelly say hello kelly hello <laughs> uh and she hasn't wanted to be on the show before but <laughs> since uh we were doing guns and roses this week i insisted um because she has actually uh a few guns and roses uh stories to share because uh she kind of was a a party girl to some extent, in L.A., um, while Guns N' Roses were getting big. Um, so the first one involves uh, actually going to uh, Steven Adler, who was the drummer for Guns N' Roses uh, at first. Um, he later left the band. Um, so why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us how you came to end up at Steven Adler's house? Um, right. So I had a friend who worked for for the members of the band and um, he was a contractor he worked on their homes and he kind of became friends with them and he liked to impress the young ladies um, he liked to tell them that he knew Guns N' Roses and sometimes he would take them around and one day uh, we were out and about and so uh, we stopped at Steven Adler's house unannounced and um, since our, my friend was already friendly with him, he uh, just let him in the door. And he almost shut the door on my face. And then he saw me, and he was just really sweet. And he said, oh, I'm sorry, darling. And he opened <laughs> the door for me, and he let me in. He, he was just very soft-spoken, um, and he was in a robe. He looked like he had partied all night, and he had not slept. That's probably exactly uh, the case. Yeah, yeah and uh, his uh, home was kind of trashed, like he had partied, and um, and he had uh, forgotten to clean up after his dogs in his living room, and <laughs> that was lovely. But but he was a really 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 nice guy. I I remember that he was a nice guy, and and um, so we just visited for a few minutes, and. Um, I visited him, or we visited his home a second time, and the second time, he did not come to the door. It was uh, at night, and a friend of his was there and let us in, and we could hear a uh, noise coming from his bedroom, um, singing, <laughs> singing <laughs> coming from his bedroom, and uh, 
we wondered what it was, and we asked his friend what it was, and he said, well, when he has sex, he likes to vocalize. And, <laughs> and when he was having sex with the uh, granddaughter of a famous business person, I won't say who it was, but that's who his friend said he was having sex with, and he was, yes, enjoying himself. So that, that was my exposure to uh, Stephen Adler. And you also spoke by phone with uh, <laughs> Duff McKagan, correct? Yeah, just briefly. <laughs> Who, of course, was the uh, bass player for Guns N' Roses. Right, that was very brief, and um, I was at my friend's house, and he called, and and my friend wasn't home, so he left a message, and um, at first he gave his name, he said, this is Duff, and then he paused for the longest time before he continued his message. <laughs> Expecting you to start falling over. Right. Yeah. I, 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 I distinctly got the impression that he expected me to just <laughs> go crazy, but I, I wasn't impressed at all. Yeah. And I just, just I, I even prompted him to go on and, yes, what is your message? And <laughs> so he went on and, and I, I, you know, I think he was a little dejected and that was it with him and, and, um, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> and so, uh, as you said, your friend, uh, was a contractor for Guns N' Roses. Right. And, uh, you were, you were worried that this might be libel. Um, but since we're not naming your friend and this is secondhand information, this is not libel. <laughs> um, it's alleged. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is, this is alleged. So what don't, uh, let's. Why don't you go ahead and say, uh, allegedly, um, what Axl Rose did? Well, allegedly, um, he had, um, uh, he was in a fight with his wife, or he had just gotten into a fight with his wife. Which would have probably been Stephanie Seymour, we think? You know, actually, it was another one, and I can't remember her name. Okay. But it was a different one, and, um, he got in a fight with her, and he was, um, he allegedly threw fits when he was angry and broke things, broke his home. And um, this particular evening, he allegedly pushed his grand piano through his um, glass wall. <laughs> and in the middle of the night, called my friend. To come to, clean it up. To come clean it up. So he had little side jobs with Guns N' Roses, <laughs> besides, you know, building on their homes. So that's Clean, my story. Cleaning up after <laughs> uh, Axel gets mad. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I think it's not alleged that Axel would throw frit fits and uh, break things uh, when he's angry, because uh, he's on video uh, throwing fits and breaking things while he's angry. Uh, Is that but, right? Uh, well, rather famously, he uh, he got arrested for this, in fact. He threw a, a bottle off the stage at a fan and clocked him with it. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I remember something yeah. like that. So, I mean, I believed the stories, and, you know, I my friend could have been full of it. He, you know, he could have kind of no, wanted that, to... That, uh, sounds, that sounds very plausible. But, yeah, it, it sounds plausible, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think that's uh, all we have. All right. All right. Now, I, I don't know why she didn't bring uh, this one up, but she also said that uh, apparently Axl Rose would pay people to uh, um, put toilet paper on the roll when he ran out. 
someone's job was to do that. <laughs> Which, I mean, all Those of that. Those are great stories. Yeah, all, all of that I was, is, is I, completely possible. I was very relieved to find out the first story was not your girlfriend smoking crack with Steven Adler, because I was worried that <laughs> That's where when, most Steven Adler stories head. Yeah, yeah. There was a reason that he uh, was not in Guns N' Roses for the long term. Um, I think Axl Rose would be proud of that throwing the piano through the glass wall story. I, I think, think so, too, wanted. yeah. Yeah, I don't think he would sue anybody for libel. But yeah, so 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 check this out. So, similar to your story about wanting to go to that Guns N' Roses Metallica show, uh-huh. in I think it was eighty eight, eighty seven, eighty eight. I was ten or eleven. Uh, Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses came to town. Oh and damn! I desperately wanted to go to that show. As would I. But <laughs> my parents were pretty adamant that I was not going to go to that show, and. No amount of whining, crying, screaming, begging got me to that show. But anyhow, at that show, Axl Rose jumped off the stage (laughs) during the first song, at the very beginning, got in a fight with someone in the crowd, punched him, and got arrested. So the Guns N' Roses set was actually just them doing bad blues jams for half an hour. (laughs) So I didn't miss out on anything. No, no, you did not. Uh (laughs) Um, besides some bad blues champs. Um, so I guess, uh, let's go ahead and talk about, uh, appetite for destruction. Um, and that's one hell of a way to introduce yourself to the world. Um, cause I think, uh, welcome to the jungle is just flat out one of the best rock songs that there is. Um, and what's cool is that that album didn't break big for like, maybe almost a year after it came out yeah it took Tom a while came out yeah it took and a while. i was into it like immediately because i you know i read my metal magazines and i was hip to what was going on and so it was cool to like be into them right when welcome the jungle came out and they were still kind of underground yeah and i mean those first couple chords on, on that and then like slash starts that little run on his guitar and then axel has that howl like that's your yeah. first like first song on your first album. Like, goddamn. Um, yeah. And like Slash's guitar and Axel's voice, like that basically um, is Appetite for Destruction. And in fact, oh, I, yeah. Because um, I mean, we we ran around forever trying to like imitate Axel, you know. Yeah, yeah, me too. Running around <laughs> school, going. Yeah, trying to do his little dances and stuff. Yeah. And, and Slash is the type of guitar player, like, if you hear Slash on a, on any song, you're like, yeah, that's Slash. Uh, <coughs> yeah. And that album, of course, has, like, three, I would say, legit, all-time great songs. I mean, it's Paradise City, That's a Fucking Banger. Um, yeah. Slash and Axel are great on that. And even uh, Steven Adler's pretty damn good on that song, I would say. Um, yeah, yeah, he was he was good before he fucked himself up. Yeah, and the outro on that um, goes to eleven, I would say. And <laughs> I mean, the that sweet child of mine riff, like, god damn, that's good. Um, and just the whole rhythm section, that whole song is is just great. Um, all three of those are just like classic, classic tracks, um, and. I would say the whole album is at least solid. 
Um, oh yeah, my favorites are probably Out to Get Me and That's great. Night yeah. Train. Yeah, yeah. It's so easy. Mr. Brownstone's great. No, yeah, it's another, so easy. Another great thing about that album, you know, I was probably what, ten or eleven when it came out. Is that was like the first album I had that had a lot of cursing. Yeah, yeah me too, for sure, for sure. I was not. <laughs> I had I had to sneak that one in, um, and keep it on the DL. Uh, My Michelle's great. Uh, yeah. Um, I think. Uh, Rocket Queen that has like a pretty filthy little groove. Um, Slash is great uh, and, on it. Um, and he recorded himself. Axel recorded himself having sex for yeah, that song. Yeah, yeah. In the studio. <laughs> In the studio. I didn't know that part. Yeah. I knew that yeah. he recorded himself having sex, but no, um, no, they did it in the studio. Yeah. Speaking of sex, uh, I guess the the one misstep on that song uh album i would say is uh anything goes like it's just okay musically and yeah, the lyric that is kind of that's the totally. lyric is just fucking unbelievably bad on that song yeah not that you necessarily listen to guns and roses for the lyrics but uh, right yeah but for the most part um yeah that was that was just a really great first album um and they followed it up with Lies, which wasn't really a, a proper album. Um, no, kind of a double EP. Yeah. Um, and the first half is uh, like rock and roll songs. Um, Move to the City is pretty good. And I, I would say that has uh, one of the better lyrics, actually, that Axel ever wrote. Um, their cover of Mama Kin is pretty good. Um, but I think the more uh, notable notable part of that album was uh, the back half because of course like you can't deny how brilliant Patience is right nobody yeah, can it's still awesome yeah yeah it still is and that wasn't like anything that they'd done up to that point stylistically at all um, no and that kind of laid the uh, groundwork for the power ballads on the next one um, and although I loved it I was 11 when it came out, and so I loved the lyrics, but I used to love her, and it's kind of pretty dumb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a dumb song. But but that tune is really good. Like, they kind of do, like, a little country blues kind of thing. Um, yeah. And I think it's pretty good. And then they did, uh, like, an acoustic version of You're Crazy from Appetite. Um, Which is, and, I think it's better. Yeah, I do, too. And, uh... Like, Slash is pretty nifty on the acoustic on that one. You're fucking crazy! But then... <laughs> you know what's next, right? <laughs> you want in a million? I hadn't listened to that song uh, in a long, long time. And I knew what was coming. And <laughs> it's still, like, I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Like and I know I know that uh, he's he explained um, at the time because it was highly controversial, of course. And I think if it came out, well, now I think first of all their record label wouldn't put it out. Um, nope. And if it did come out, like their career would be over. Um, but I know that uh, the conceit of it basically was like some like small town like hick from the sticks like. Axel Rose, for instance, um, 
right. moves to the big city and is confronted with all this stuff that he's never seen before. The problem is that Axl Rose is an anagram for oral sex, so he doesn't exactly do subtlety. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like, right at the beginning of the song, um, he drops the N-word. Uh, later, he uses faggot, like, just, like, dripping with venom um, as oh, a yeah. negative. Goes on an extended rant uh, about immigrants. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that one's a misstep. That one's a misstep, for sure. Um, I think I think they were... They were so huge and had such a rebellious streak. I think they were just trying to see, or Axel was trying to see. Push buttons. Exactly how much he could get away with. Yeah. And they, I mean, they'd done that on the first album too. Um, Yeah. They were definitely pushing buttons with some of that. Um, But, I mean, do you you remember? Too far, Axel. Have you ever seen the original cover? Mm Mm-mm. It's that painting from the inside. They wanted to put that on the front cover of the first album. Wow, yeah. (laughs) That wouldn't have been a good call. Uh, um, Yeah, and then um, they put out, next came out with a double album, uh, Use Your Illusions 1 is 2, which uh, we've both um, revisited recently, actually. Um, I did get, I, I was really into them, um, when they came out, um, I was when they came out, but I, you just kind of lost interest. I don't, I just didn't get it then. Oh, I, I loved it. Um, at the time, um, mostly because, and this, uh, this kind of recalls that, uh, Noel Gallagher quote that I read a couple weeks back about, uh, be here now being the best advertisement against cocaine ever. <laughs> Use your illusion number two. <laughs> well, both of them, actually, a, a lot of it, um, <laughs> especially those. And this actually, I think, is is the best part of the album uh, or the highlights of the album were those really long, like, power ballads. Uh, yeah, Coma like, and Estranged. Yeah, Coma, mm-hmm. Estranged, November Rain, uh, Don't Cry, <laughs> Civil War. And they even made, yeah. like, videos for those and yeah. put them on the radio and MTV. Um, and they were really weird, too. Um, like, I remember in November Rain, there's, like, this cut to, like, Slash playing a guitar solo, like, <laughs> on top of a plateau, like, out of, like, nowhere. Majestic. Like, <laughs> definitely. Um, and then there's the moment, too, in that video where, like, it's the wedding, you know, of uh, Axel and uh, Stephanie Seymour, and, like, everything's going ra- great. And then it starts to rain, and, like, all hell break lo- breaks loose. Like, people just don't know what to do because it started raining. They're, it's like, the knocking... Rain. Yeah, the cold November rain. They're, like, knocking the wedding cake over and shit. And then, <laughs> and then next, like, Stephanie Seymour's dead? Well... <laughs> Um, we both and, hearts can change. Yeah, that is true. And did you do you remember the video for Estranged? That one I don't recall. I don't think. Oh, okay. Yeah, 
you, you, need, you need to look that up tonight because that makes okay. no fucking sense at all. <laughs> um, and it's also another thing that's weird, I would say, about those uh, tunes is apparently both uh, November Rain and uh, Don't Cry were about um, Izzy Stradlin's girlfriend and sure. he like really wanted to fuck her. In fact, you know how um, on. I think it's his right arm. Axel has that, like, tattoo of this, like, beautiful woman. Like, uh... And I guess that's apparently Izzy Stradlin's girlfriend. Like... Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to keep the peace in the band, uh, I would say. Yeah. That, um, that, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I... Uh, their cover of, uh... Live and Let Die, actually, I would say is... Um, even better than the Wings version. Um, yeah, I probably prefer theirs because it's heavier. Yeah, it's way heavier. And yeah, and you could be mine. That song fucking rocks. Um, and, uh, as a Bob Dylan fan, I like that they did a really heavy cover of uh, "Knocking on Heaven's Door" like that. Um, well, they've been doing that one for a live for a while, so yeah, kind of like yep, a part yep. of their catalog. And they were just going ahead and studio recording it. So yeah, it was, it was cool to get that too. Yeah, I remember uh, somehow getting a hold of a bunch of live Guns N' Roses stuff back in the day. Well, they showed that live at the Ritz on MTV, and that shit was awesome. There was one. It, maybe you can remember what it was. Uh, they did knock on heaven's door on that. There was some big like music festival in England, I think. Um, Guns N' Roses played, and I think yeah, Brian May from Queen. I want to say joined. Probably Guns N' Roses to play for a little bit, and yeah, that was great. That was great. Um, and they played "Knocking on Heaven's Door" on that one. Um, any other uh, highlights from that album for you, or anything else you want to say about it? Yeah, just like what I was saying earlier. You know, I think I think you know at the time I was a fan of all the singles, and a lot of those songs had kind of come out ahead of the album, and you know I was still in a massive Guns N' Roses mode. And then once the album came out, a lot of the a lot of that stuff just I I think I just didn't get it at the time. You know, it was over my head musically, and um, so I just didn't really like it. And it wasn't until revisiting it, you know, sometime last year, it's the first time I'd really listened to it in a long time, and that's when I was like, man, there's a lot of really really good stuff on here. There is, yeah. Um. There's some really terrible stuff oh, on yeah, there, too. Oh, yeah, there's some bad stuff. <laughs> uh, like, uh, that song with Alice Cooper, I like that one. I think The Garden, that's cool. Yeah, that's a cool that's one. Weird. That's a cool one. Um, kind of like One in a Million. Um, I don't... Right next door to hell? <laughs> I, I don't have really any idea what Axel was thinking with uh, getting the ring. I don't uh, know why he thought that was a I good think idea. He was pissed off at some reporter or something. Uh, yeah. Um, so he just... Uh, released a rant, basically, of him. <laughs> basically. For, like, five minutes, he's all, like, drunk and coked up, like, calling him a pussy, and he's gonna beat his fucking ass, and, uh, yeah, that wasn't good. That wasn't good. Yeah. Um, I guess, well, um... A, a temple. Yeah, on that note, though, uh, we were, uh, planning on talking about this, at least briefly, uh, uh, Axl Rose is woke now. <laughs> he really is. He's on Twitter, and uh, yeah, 
he posts like all kinds of lefty, like feminist, like uh, pro gay, pro immigrant stuff, like all the time. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, and I, I mean, you know, I, I think, I think he kind of has been redeeming himself because, like, when they went out on tour the last couple years, like. Every show went off without a hitch. He didn't. None of them ran late. He didn't start any riots. They played like right. three <laughs> hours a night, you know. And and all uh, of which is a change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think you know. I think he's he's older and wiser, and probably uh, more sober. Um, and which I think it's safe to say, like at the point that uh, the user illusions dropped. Uh, like fame and shit had really gone to Axel's head, um, and he was probably doing like a metric uh, fuck ton of coke. Um, yeah, yeah. One I one I didn't listen to um, in prep for this because uh, I just didn't want to um, was uh, the spaghetti okay, incident. Did yeah, did you <laughs> yeah. did you even listen to that at the time? At the time, I was working at a record store, and we did put it on and just listen through it and kind of check it out, and I was totally not into it, um, and the fact that they did a, a Manson song I thought was just super lame, and yeah. you know, I was totally over Guns N' Roses at that point, so it was just like... And, and and at this point, I have no desire to revisit it or anything like that. So. Yeah, I I bought it at the time it, it came out because I was still into Guns N' Roses, and I remember listening it to it for I don't know, like two or three times. And it was just like, eh, that fucking sucks. Um, and then, of course, after that, um, there was a long, long hiatus. Uh, <laughs> Axel, of course, fired all the members of the band. Um, they later hooked up with uh, Scott Wheeland to form Velvet Revolver, uh, which I did not like at all. Um, no. But I never liked Scott Wyland, so I wasn't surprised. Um, <laughs> and for the longest time, there were like all these rumors that, yeah, yeah, he's going to put it, it's coming out, it's coming out, it's going to come out. <laughs> and then finally... Uh, my friend Henry, um, he told me, like, yeah, Chinese democracy, it's coming out. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> first, there was the first there was the one song. It was yeah. for a soundtrack, uh, Oh My God. And it was like the first yeah, thing even... we'd heard from Guns N' Roses in forever. And it was, yep. it was pretty underwhelming. Yeah. Well, and, I mean... Like I was saying, he was telling me that Chinese democracy was coming out, and I was like, no, it's not. Um, and then he was like, no, they booked shows. Um, and then they did. Uh, well, Axl Rose and whoever was supposed to be Guns N' Roses by that point. Um, yeah, and then Chinese democracy came out, and I listened to it once. Um, I listened to it twice. Yeah, so I think that about... And there was there was one song I couldn't tell you what it is now but there was one song that I really enjoyed and the rest of it I thought was decent but no way Not near living up to the hype and um, yeah no real desire to listen to it 
So that's basically, I mean, Guns N' Roses, you know, like, uh, one great debut album, uh, kind of a double EP that was hit and miss, but probably more good than bad, and then, uh, a sprawling, massive double album that had a lot of really great stuff, um, on it, also some shit, and then a shitty cover album, and then, uh, kind of whatever... Chinese democracy is. I don't even know. Um, Axl Rose's um, super expensive vanity project for 15 years <laughs> or whatever it was. Um, I don't know if you have, but if you haven't, if you ever get a chance, I highly recommend Duff McKagan's book. He, he, um, <laughs> he's been writing a column for Seattle newspaper for a while, and he actually wrote his book. There's no assistance no ghostwriter no nothing it's just him and it's a really really compelling story goes into all the guns and roses craziness and then him overcoming alcoholism and cocaine addiction and all that shit with uh, martial arts and it's pretty uh it's pretty inspiring actually duff mckagan wrote a book and it's yes. good and he wrote it by it's himself it totally wrote it himself okay yeah i I definitely need to seek that out then. Yeah, definitely worth worth reading. Really, really good. That's very interesting. And very surprising. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I suppose let's uh, go on and talk about uh, Metallica here. And their first album, Kill Em All. Uh, that's fucking great. Um, I remember watching, uh, like behind the music or uh, some show like that and someone on it said uh, that Kill 'Em All like or Metallica at the time they put out Kill 'Em All basically they were uh, too punk for the metal clubs and uh, too metal for the punk clubs and I think that's exactly right um, and also I remember uh, they quoted uh, Sebastian Bach of Skid Row saying that he was just looking through albums like in the record store and he picked up Kill 'em All and he looked on the back cover and he saw the picture of them and he was like holy shit these are the ugliest people I've ever fucking seen <laughs> um, and uh, he picked it up on that basis alone um, and like that album like it's like crunchy guitars like all the way down like that that album's really good and I like I don't think that they were probably smoking any weed it's more likely that they were just getting shit faced all the time uh but I think that uh that kind of moved metal forward a little bit um what do you think well you know I mean at the time it came out I really had no clue about Metallica um I kind of discovered them around uh, probably just before Master Puppets came out. Because when Master Puppets came out, I that, I got it, and that was my first exposure to their music. Um, but I did. I went backwards at that point and sure. got Ride the Lightning and Kill 'Em All. And yeah, man, I loved Kill 'Em All from start to finish. I listened to that album over and over and over. And before. Um, before I started playing guitar, I actually started on drums and played drums for a couple of years before I ever started playing guitar. 
and I would play along with Kill 'Em All. I mean, I probably wasn't playing it right or anything. Um, but trying. I was de- decent as a drummer, but I was just just keeping up with it, going along with the music, and mm-hmm. and it was. I mean, that was that was like the most fun I could imagine having was going out to the garage and playing drums to Kill 'Em All. That was a pretty fast album too. Yeah, <laughs> they were not fucking around on that one. Um, no, and. Again, I always have to preface this, I'm not a musician, um, but my friend Josh, uh, he's a guitar player too. Uh, like I said, we were talking on Facebook a little bit earlier today, and he he was saying stuff, and this, this stuff's kind of just over my head, um, but he said that it had uh, some really interesting like time signatures on it, um, and the guitars were like he thought were really just really interesting to him like it's not it wasn't something uh it was pretty unique basically um but you could probably speak to that better than i could um well like time sign like weird time signature stuff is is something that i really feel more than like no like if i sat there and counted it i could tell you if it was in seven four or whatever but i don't count while i'm listening to music Right. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> so, but I, I feel I can feel when something shifts, and yeah, that definitely is is something that will attract uh, your ear. And as a musician, you think it's cool because okay, they're doing something different that's a little challenging that you know challenges my listening. And 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 then as a non musician, you're just like, oh, they're doing that's not something I'm used to hearing. That's cool, you know. What exactly. Yeah, that's exactly you sense it. it. Yeah, as a and as a non musician. Yeah. Yeah, and then and even. As a musician myself, it's something more that I just kind of feel and sense rather than okay, they're, oh, they're in, they're doing five four now, you know. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. yep. Um, and then their their next two albums, um, both also undeniably great, um, Ride yeah. the Lightning and Masters of Puppets. Those are two back to back masterpieces. Um, yeah, definitely. And I remember my exposure to them first. Uh, this was, of course, after the Black Album came out. I, I remember very, very distinctly. This is like one of the more distinct memories I have. Um, was I was reading uh, The Stand by Stephen King, and I was just playing those two albums over and over and over again while I was <laughs> reading that book, and it, it just fit it perfectly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so anytime I listen to uh, those albums, that, that memory draws back uh very strongly um and it's kind of weird uh and justice for all i don't think was quite as good as those two um it's still pretty good um but what's interesting looking back on it is that uh those albums all had like uh really like lefty lyrics um there were multiple like anti-war songs like that kind of stuff and Later, of course, Metallica um, became the exact opposite of that, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And apparently, I guess, that was because of uh, Kirk Hammett, like his little brother, I guess, um, was like kind of an intellectual and like read lots of books. And he would like uh, just like share his ideas with them and they would just write songs based on that Um, because... Nobody in Metallica strikes me as being very especially intelligent. Um, <laughs> but 
You should watch. Have you have you never watched some kind of monster? I have never watched some kind of monster. I, I've heard it's really good. Um, yeah. I just at, at a certain point I just totally soured on Metallica and I was just washed my hands of them and I was done. Um, well, the it, first thing that happened to Metallica is Cliff Burton died. Of course. And yeah. he was really the soul of that band. Yeah. And like he was the one that was like turning them on to like old budgie albums and like you know cool underground 70s stuff that influenced their sound and 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 made them so unique and metal and and you know understandably when he died they were a little lost yeah and and i think by the time they found themselves they found themselves as a, a you know um super mainstream rock and roll band yeah and they kind of lost what I found to be cool about them and you know after the black album I was I was done yeah and of course he was also um a, both a really good and very unique and a creative bass player too um not that you know Jason Newstead is plenty talented everybody in Metallica is uh, very talented um but just not not the same, not like that. Um, and what what was that EP Garage something? Garage Days, yeah, yeah, and that I one's really that. good too. I love yeah, that, that one's time. really good. That was that was good stuff. That that gave me hope hope for them. And yeah. you, you know, Justice was was pretty good too. Yeah, you know? yeah, it was good. It's, one's it's, on there. That's one of their better songs. Yeah, that one. Uh, I guess I probably just burnt out on that one. But um, I mean, it's not on par with the first three, but it's. Still, Still better good. than everything that came after it. And I do have, uh, we kind of talked a little bit about this um, last night. Uh, I do have a, a soft spot in my heart for Black, just because that's what got me into Metallica. Um, right. And, you know, I still I still enjoy some of those songs. Um, I never want to hear uh, Inner Sandman or... Uh, <laughs> And nothing else matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never want to hear either of those songs again. But um, or like, Unforgiven. I, I like Unforgiven still. Um, and Through the Never is a pretty cool song. That's got a, a cool guitar riff in it. Um, so that was a great tour. That's that's the one time I saw them live was on the Black Album tour, and they were they were definitely put on an awesome show. Yeah, I'm sure they were great. Uh, back in that at that time um and I, i'd have to double check this but i think the black album came out on the same day as use your illusion it wouldn't surprise me it, it was right around the same time yeah i think it came out on the same day might have um can't confirm or deny that uh but it sounds right <laughs> it, it, that sounds exactly yeah, I like, right i like the black album at the time i just grew tired of it very quickly and even i did too yeah kind of moved on from Metallica at that point. Yeah, like I, like I said, that's what got me into Metallica, um, but as soon as I started listening to that earlier stuff, like, I, I didn't listen to the Black Album anymore. Because right. um, <laughs> that other stuff is just way better. Um, and then, of course, after that, like, like again, plot. yeah, they totally lost the plot. Again, uh, But, you know, a lot of, a lot of metal bands kind of lost their identity in the face of grunge 
Yeah, because yeah. Grunge was so huge and and made such an impact on music that um, you know metal bands were kind of reacting to that and incorporating that as an influence, and it very rarely worked. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, uh, I remember like exactly where I was. Um, like the time of day it was everything um when i saw smells like teen spirit for the first time and i think we'll probably cover nirvana at some point so don't need to get too yeah. into it but uh yeah. i i think they got they're overrated at this point but uh like as soon as i saw that like that opened me up to all kinds of different musical possibilities that I didn't even know existed at the time. Um, 15 year old me. And yeah. that really like I mean, the, all the that. The Melvins were getting major label releases, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and all that like Motley Crue, Poison, like all that shit, that was just done. That was over at that point. Um, yeah. And, and at the time, you know, it, it just it, it it paled in comparison. Now, at this point, in 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 retrospect, you know, with with nostalgia, I'll you know there'd be times where I'd rather listen to the first Motley Crue album than say like Alice in Chains or something. You know? Yeah, yeah I, honestly, I I might too. Um, some of that old <laughs> Motley Crue stuff is really good. Um, like. Like early Van Halen and all that kind of stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that kind of uh, kind of like wiped the floor, and it that even kind of um, ruined Metallica. Um, well, yeah, because they they were trying to stay relevant. Yep, and they because they became famously, big pop stars with the Black Album, so they had yep. to they had to stay on top of the mountain. Yep, and they famously cut their hair off. Um, all yeah. of them, and uh, did a magazine spread a where they were. Load. Yep, yep, which was <laughs> indeed a load. Uh, yeah. And there was a magazine a spread of, of them smoking cigars, and uh, like I think the real like turning point. Uh, and again, we talked a little bit about this last night in show prep that I don't like the frame at all of uh, the term sellout. Uh, like, oh, they sold out. Like, they, they used to be so much better. Now they, they're right. just sellouts. Like, because why shouldn't musicians, like, be able to, like, own a home and a car and have nice things, yeah. you know? They make music that uh, greatly enhances my life and increases my enjoyment of, of the world. So, um, but I think if it doesn't apply to anybody, it's Metallica because they very obviously and deliberately changed their sound to be popular and to yeah. make money. And then like, this was the kill blow. This was the moment that I was like, fuck you, Metallica. Like I'm done. <laughs> um, was when they took the side of the RIAA, uh, in going after, uh, quote unquote piracy. Um, oh yeah. The whole Napster thing. Lars. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, that's basically yeah. like fuck you fans. We don't want you to uh, hear our music unless you pay for it. 
because we don't have enough money yet. Uh, we need even more. Uh, so that was. I've downloaded like, so I was much just Metallica done. just for spite. <laughs> I might. I might even like uh, uh, open up BitTorrent and download some Metallica albums and then and then delete them um, just to steal <laughs> more from them because I already have all their stuff. Well, all their stuff that I want to listen to. I've paid um, for a lot of Metallica music. I I did too. I bought all their <laughs> albums through the Black Album. I will have you know, I purchased all of those albums. And by the law, in fact, if you've ever purchased an album and you download it on the internet, that is perfectly legal. Yeah. 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 Um, and then that's like, it's so weird. Like, imagine like putting out songs like One or uh, um, like some of those other anti-war songs that they had and then when you're like 22 or whatever and then like putting out whatever the fuck saying anger is supposed to be like it's just really weird like they totally morphed completely away from whatever they were um in the 80s and after that like they didn't do anything i don't think that's even really like relevant um not just good but not even relevant um well which was very um, disappointing you know the last three albums have all uh, you know been attempts to kind of recapture their early sound with varying degrees of success um saint anger was horrible yeah really bad uh drum sound and uh but it is interesting because that's the album they filmed the some kind of monster documentary that's the album they were working on so it has a bit of curiosity factor for that so is um, that good is that something i should check out some kind of monster oh the the documentary yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's it's very entertaining okay <laughs> <laughs> it will definitely give you an insight into the dysfunction that is metallica okay yeah um. <laughs> and uh let's see after that was um death magnetic which uh had some some decent stuff but it was all just like I'd rather listen to Master of Puppets again, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then the new album was... Uh, I, the new album, a couple guys at my poker game really love that new Metallica album. So I've actually heard it probably ten times. And it, it, it it's, it's good Metallica, you know? I mean, if if I was like a hardcore Metallica fan and I just needed more Metallica, I'd be happy <laughs> with that new album. But for me, I don't need any more than the first three albums. Right, yeah. And the EP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Garage Day stuff, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I listened to Saint Anger, um, and I think I listened to it once. And it's just hard to listen to. It sounds so bad. Yeah, and then I was done. I was done. That's, that's the, the same thing with Death the Magnetic. They brickwalled the shit out of to. that. I mean, it's mastered really, really badly because they just wanted it to be so loud, and it's not a pleasant listening experience. Even if the songs were great, it's Which not they are. Yeah. a fun. It's not a good listen. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll have a, a resurgence at some point. Guns N' Roses certainly won't. Um, although, I'd, maybe... I'd be interested if, to hear something new from Guns N' Roses since they've, you know, semi-reunited. I'd be curious to hear what Slash, Axel, and Duff could come up with together. Yeah, maybe they will. That could be interesting, now that I think about I mean, it. I'd, I'd give it a chance. I'd listen yeah, to I'd it. give it I a chance. I wouldn't expect anything amazing, but... <laughs> I mean, even on uh, Velvet Revolver stuff, I mean, Slash is never bad. 
ever. Um, yeah, stuff just kind of, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's not my thing at all. Yeah. Um, so, um, hmm. So, like, Metallica has more good albums than Guns N' Roses, but... That's true. That's just this because is, they have this, more albums. This is what I'm thinking about right now. This is what I'm considering. But Guns N' Roses doesn't have near as many shitty albums as Metallica does. That's true, but... <laughs> on on peak value... Peak value. I think you'd have to probably give it to Metallica. Uh, because Kill 'Em All is great, uh... Master of Puppets is great. Ride the Lightning is great. Uh, Garage Days is a great EP. Uh, and Justice for All isn't quite on that level, but it's still good. It's got some good stuff. Um, Blackened is badass. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and like I said, I'll give I'll give partial nostalgia credit to uh, um, the Black Album and Guns N' Roses. Like Appetite for Destruction is perfect. There's nothing wrong with that album at all. That's great. And then, you know, Lies was had some great stuff on it, but not perfect. Um, and Use Your Illusions between the two of them had a lot of great stuff and also a lot of shit, so it probably would have been a great just one album. Um, so you can maybe credit them with two great albums if you look at it that way. Well, I think I think me, I'm. Go ahead. Estranged and Coma are better than anything Metallica ever did. Period. So I'm gonna stick Guns N' Roses, but it's very close. I mean, it's just very, you know. Estranged and Coma are better than anything Metallica ever did. Yeah. Wow, that's a bold statement. If you Andy took Sanford. the entire catalog of Metallica and Guns N' Roses and put it all together into one big pile. Estranged and Coma would be the two best things out of all of it. See, I would not agree with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even uh, agree that those are Guns N' Roses' two best songs. Um, well, those are my two favorites. So. I think I, I think I'm going to change my vote. That's the first time I've done that uh, on this podcast that we've made because it's so close. It was so close to yeah. start with. Yeah, we've made podcast history. This is the first time I've changed my vote. <laughs> I'm gonna switch to Metallica, but it wasn't like because I was arguing Metallica in their favor. You you changed your own mind. Yep, yep. Just thinking about it and talking through it. And the thing is, I started I've, with Guns and Roses. Yeah, and in show prep this week, I didn't really have a whole lot of time for show prep, so I did re-listen to a bunch of Guns and Roses. But the only Metallica I re-listened to was uh, Kill 'Em All. So um, that's just from memory, um, and I just yeah. talked myself into it. Metallica does have some really cool budgie ripoff riffs that I love so much, but I don't know. Guns N' Roses is pretty fucking good, so yeah, it's it's a it's a toss up. Yeah, yep, definitely. And if you ask me tomorrow, I might change my vote. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. But for now, for now, it's Metallica. Um, All right, Guns N' Roses. So I haven't even thought about it all. uh, Who we're doing next week? so unless you have something quick uh, off the top of your head, uh, I think we'll have to probably leave it a mystery for now. Well, I mean, if uh, if Scott's available, we can go and do Pink Floyd versus Flaming Lips. We should do that. 
All right. Yep. Um, I'll message him. See what he says. That'll be a good one. Yeah, that'll be a really good one. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I definitely expect uh, a lot of disagreement on that one as concerns yep. the uh, post uh, uh, Piper and uh, pre uh, Dark Side Pink Floyd. Well, we'll get into that next week. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So until next week, have a good one, everyone. Later.